Next on Contemplate. You cannot see the heart of another person. And so you cannot judge the heart of another person. Why? It's not your jurisdiction. It's not. You can't judge, for instance, whether someone is saved. Because it's God who does that work and knows the hearts of man. Now, you can see someone's fruit and go, it sure doesn't look like it, right? That can happen. But ultimately, that judgment is God's. Why? Because they belong to God or not. It's about him. It's not about you. You don't have jurisdiction. We learned last time that we all have jurisdiction over some things, parents over their kids and things like that. But there are some areas where we're simply way out of our league. Here's Pastor David with more. Jesus Christ is the judge. You can see it over and over in the scripture. He is the judge who will judge according to righteousness and will give grace to those who have made him Lord. Who gets grace? Those who have made him Lord. Other people don't get grace. Those who have called on his name and believed that God raised him from the dead, grace. He doesn't judge with fairness for them, but with grace. But these things are outside your jurisdiction. God will judge the wicked. He'll know the heart. Let me tell you what else is outside your jurisdiction, okay? 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, and I'm going to read the first part of 12 and first part of verse 13. And I'm doing this because this is one of those things where he says, this thing, then that thing, then this thing, then that thing. And so we're going to read one part of it, and then we're going to come back and read the whole thing. It says, I wrote to you in my epistle. That's a letter. Just a cool name for a letter. Send me an epistle. <laughs> not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. How am I going to be not around anybody who does these things? Well, not on this planet you're not going to be around people who don't do those things. So obviously I wasn't saying that you can't keep company with them because they're everywhere. All right? For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside. But those who are outside, God judges. What's your jurisdiction? It ain't to those people outside. It is not your jurisdiction to judge those outside the church. The unbeliever is judged by God, not by you. You already know that the unbeliever is not living for God. You already know that, okay? The unbeliever is not following Christ. Jesus is not Lord of their life. They do not follow the scriptures or God's command. Commands. It's always interesting to me when someone tells me of some horrible, immoral thing that is happening out in the world. They're just like, this is the worst thing ever. And they go, can you believe they did this? And I go, yes. yes. Of course. They're unbelievers. They're lost people. You know what lost people do? They do what lost people do. That's what they do. They act like lost people. Why would it be any different? If you needed to be away from lost people, you'd have to go outside of the world. Listen, the people of the world are not the people of God. They're not. James 4, second part of verse 4 through verse 5. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? This is about you not becoming a friend of the world, okay? But it's clear about what's going on in the world. Those who are of the world are at enmity with God. They are rebellious against God. 
He's the one who's going to be judging them. The world might do that, which is shocking, but not surprising. And it is not for us to go out and judge the unbeliever. What are we to do? We're to be fishers of men. That's our job. We are to bring the message of forgiveness and grace. We are not the judges of the world. Jesus Christ is the only righteous judge of the world. Never forget something. You and I were once lost also. But God saved us through his grace. We were in the world. We were at enmity with God. We were rebels. And he saved us. Let's focus on preaching the gospel that they might be saved by his grace and that their hearts might be changed by God like our hearts have been changed by God. Rather than spending all our time judging them for their wickedness, that's done. They're under judgment, not yours, God's. Just like you were. So what do we want to do? See them get saved. Love them, not judge them. Remember the whole love your enemies, do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you? What's that about? It's about loving those people because you were those people. I was those people. God will do the judging. We show them love and the love of Jesus Christ. We do the preaching of the gospel for their salvation. We do not bring them judgment. We also do not get focused and caught up in changing their behavior. I know that that's a big thing. How, how can we get them to change their behavior? Listen. If you change your behavior and you don't change your heart, you haven't done a dang thing. Okay? You haven't done the thing that they need the most. They don't need behavior modification. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. You know how behavior modification actually happens? Through a heart that's been changed. That's how it works. Do I want to see abortion be gotten rid of in this country, this holocaust that's going on? You bet I do. Desperately, I have wanted it for decades. But you know what I would love even more? If no one showed up for one. Legal, illegal, who cares? There isn't a person who would do one and there's not a person who would get one. Because their hearts have been changed. That's what we do as the church. I'm not saying you shouldn't advocate and fight for change in those areas. That's fine. But don't lose your focus and get judgmental. They're already judged by God. Focus on seeing them become saved. Their hearts changing. We want to see them be a new creation just as he has done for us. They are not our enemies. They are not our enemies. Okay? The enemy is a whole different thing. Principalities, power, spirits of the air, darkness, Satan, that's our enemy. Okay? That's the battle we're fighting. That's why we're putting on the full armor of God. These people are people that we love and want to see saved. We're not fighting against them. We're fighting for them to know Jesus. We want to see them be a new creation. I'm a new creation. He's begun a new work in me, a good work. And you too, if you've called on the name of Jesus as Lord and believed that God raised him from the dead. All right, how about this one? Who can you judge? Now we get to the good stuff. You ready? <laughs> Who do we judge? We judge those inside the church. People are like, wait a second, I'm inside the church. <laughs> you got that right, Bubba. We do judge each other. This is where the second kind of judgmentalism can be a problem. Judging someone within your jurisdiction and being unloving and overly harsh. 
So you can, you can be judgmental by just judging those who are outside of your jurisdiction. You can also be judgmental by it is a person in your jurisdiction and you're overly harsh. You can be overly harsh to your children. You have jurisdiction, but you can be overly harsh to your children. That's judgmental. You have jurisdiction in the church to judge one another, but you can be overly harsh and unloving in that. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 5 and read the other part of the passage. Okay, there you go. I wrote to you in my epistle. Not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean the sexually immoral people of this world. Or with the covetous or extortionists or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Harsh, right? For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Then this is the important part. Do you not judge those who are inside? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, you do. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Paul's dealing with a guy who's literally sleeping with his father's wife. And the church is just like, eh, I don't really want to say anything. You know, they were just like us. I don't really want to say anything. They could get mad. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want whatever. So they're sitting there, and this person in the midst of them is sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul's like, what is wrong with you? I'm judging this person from out here where I'm writing this epistle, right? I'm judging this person. You need to do the same. You are to judge those who are inside. Now, I want to be clear about a thing that's, that's really important here. This word for judge is the same word in some people's favorite verse these days, Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. Once again, showing you that what that verse means is not what people think it means. More ample proof that what Jesus Christ was telling us, not we can never judge anything or anyone in Matthew 7, 1, that's not what he was saying, but that the judgment referred to there is about condemnation and harsh and unloving judgment. Judgmentalism. Going outside your jurisdiction or being harsh within your jurisdiction. We are called to judge each other, but... This is so important. Those of you who are getting ready to start judging, I see the gavels coming out. Listen, <laughs> judgment's to be in love. Desiring to see repentance and grace and reconciliation of relationship. Not desiring anything else. Paul doesn't want to see harsh judgment. He's asking the church to use judgment for a couple reasons. To keep purity in the church. To keep the body of Christ holy. That we might be repentant confessing and repenting, making ourselves right with God because he's faithful and just when we confess our sins to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's who we need to be as the church. So he wants the church to be pure, but he also wants to help brothers and sisters who are in sin, in a lifestyle of sin, to come to repentance. When we have to judge another person in the church, it should be in sorrow and in hope. Sorrow because we know that a person who's living in a lifestyle of sin is harming himself or harming herself. It's damaging them. How do we know? We have lots of experience. I know you people. You have lots of experience with sin. I certainly do. So we know it harms people. But we also have hope because we know that God is gracious and will chasten his sons and daughters. Why does he chasten them? Chastens them to bring them to repentance so that their sins can be removed as far as east is from west. How beautiful is it 
that while I was a sinner, those sins are removed from me as far as the east is from west. You couldn't have done that for me. I couldn't have done it for myself, but Christ did it for me. That's what we want to see. When we're judging the person, we're not looking to be judgmental. We're looking to draw them back to the love of Jesus, which means that our attitude should be loving. We judge in mercy and grace and hope, not in harshness, and certainly, this is important, not in an attitude of superiority. Can you believe this person did such and such? Oh, and by the way, we don't judge them to each other. That's just called gossip. That's just ugly, vile. We don't do that. We go to them in love, pleading, exhorting, sometimes rebuking, all with a heavy heart but in hope. And here's the other thing. We judge clear and biblical sin. Not everything you don't like. Paul lists several things here. Sexual immorality, covetousness, idolatry, being a reviler. According to gotquestions.org, a reviler is a person who uses words to damage, control, or insult someone's character or reputation. There are people like that. They're revilers. They got a problem with their tongue. They're harsh. They say things to hurt people. They're abusive. That's a reviler. Being a drunkard or an extortioner. Those are all mentioned there. Now, there are others. Any lifestyle behavior that goes against Jesus Christ's commands to us in Scripture must be judged by the church. We judge in love, looking for repentance. When repentance happens, we forgive and we forget. Matthew 18 gives us a whole model for it. Hey, someone's offended you. What do you do? You go to them privately. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Here's the thing. In relationship... Not drive-by judging. We have never met before, but I noticed that you uh, did this thing. I just want you to feel my judgment. It's not how it works. In relationship. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Listen, I, I see this thing. Can you, can you give me the context and the background? What's going on here? How can I help you? I want to see you come to repentance. You know this is wrong. You know what the scriptures say. Come back to the love of the Lord. That's what, that's what it looks like. If they say no... Go get a couple more people that love them. And in love, go back. Grab one of the elders. We love you. Go back and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, can you bring it back? Can you bring yourself back into relationship with Christ? Try that. Try it 10 times. Eventually, if it doesn't work, then yeah. What Paul says has to happen has to happen. You deliver them outside the protection of the church so that Satan might destroy their flesh, that their soul might be saved. That's a serious thing. Let me tell you. I've been in church a long time. It's only ever come to that a few times. Never at this church has it come all the way to that. Usually the first one gets it done. You come to me in love, kindness, humility, and say, David, bro, here's the deal. I'm I'm probably going to respond to that. You come to me in harshness and superiority, I'm probably going to find a way to justify myself. But most people do come. They come back. That's what it looks like. When we judge harshly, when we judge in an unloving way, we are being judgmental. Remember that we don't have jurisdiction to judge outside of what the scriptures teach. This is where you get into trouble. That's where we get into legalism. The Pharisees could be legalists. They were pretty good at it. They would take the commands of scripture and add all kinds of things to them, making serving God about rules and not about love and relationship. 
is what Jesus says, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. These Pharisees and scribes, they were all caught up in these just more trivial matters of the law. They were literally tithing on their herb garden while they were neglecting to do justice and mercy and faith. This is what legalism causes, a hyper-focus on the rules. The rules, the rules, the rules, until you make rules for the rules. And relationship with God and each other becomes secondary. That's what happens. Jesus tells us what the greatest commandments are. Listen to this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you are being judgmental and legalistic, you are not following the greatest commandment. It's not happening. Can't. It can't. Loving God does not include making new commandments. If you love him, and he said, this is the deal, and you go, boy, do I have something for you. We can take that rule. I can make like 50 more about this one. And then I can harshly make everybody do them. That's not what he's looking for. That's not what loving God looks like. It does not include you making new commands and then being harsh and unloving to your brothers and sisters when you hold them accountable to all your rules. Every other religion on earth tends towards judgmentalism and legalism. This is extremely important because they're missing the one thing that Christianity has. Grace. C.S. Lewis was asked, what's different about Christianity than all these other religions you guys are talking about? He's like, that's an easy one, grace. Because in every other religion, judgmentalism and legalism are extremely important. If you don't do the things exactly how you're supposed to do them, you'll never get there. There are people who do crazy things, rules, legalism, to try to get themselves to God. But that's not us. We have grace. Without the grace of Jesus Christ, we would be running around trying to be good enough for God. And making rules and new rules and trying to follow them. We'll be offering sacrifice instead of letting the sacrifice that God made be enough for us. Yes, our reasonable sacrifice is to make our bodies living sacrifices. That's the service that we give because we've been saved, right? In other words, we do want to follow his commands. We do want to do what he's called us to do. But we're relying on his grace, not on our works. People will try to find anything to make up for the fact that they know they're broken and that they're sinful. But God is not looking for us to make our own way to him. He's come down to us. That's the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God's made a way for us where we could not make a way for ourselves. Judgmentalism, legalism, don't fit in that. God's done the work on the cross. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. It is beautiful. The difference between us and every other religion, every other way of man is that they tried to be right with God by what they could do. And we know we can be right with, by, with God by what he's done. Give was life. It's a serious thing. And he died and he rose again. The father gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
That's the message for the world and for the church. Not judgmentalism, not legalism, but the love of Jesus. That really is the most important thing and really all that matters, the love of Jesus. And our prayer is that you are experiencing his love and grace in your own life as you live for him. And if not, we'd love to help. Please call us at 360-885-9000 and let us introduce you to Jesus. 360-885-9000. Always great to have you with us, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.